Hello and welcome to Everyday Superhero Cast. I am your host, coach, happiness sorcerer, and bard, Julian Loomis. And today we have the first ever repeat guest in the history of the podcast. We get to chat with Haley Bell from Party of Two RPG, and we have a fantastic conversation for you. I also get to answer one of your questions. And before we do either of those things, we're going to look at how and why working out every single day may be the missing link to your consistency. Before we jump into all that, I just want to give you a reminder that if you enjoy this show, my coaching, my message, any form of my content, and you want to support it and see it grow, you can do that by buying me a cup of coffee. You can do that one of two ways. You can either visit buymeacoffee.com slash esherocast, or go to everydaysuperherotraining.com and click on one of the pink banners that says buy me a cup of coffee. There is no subscription commitment. It is when you're motivated in the moment and you're like, yeah, let's make more of that happen. Go click donate. Boom. Done. On with the show. I don't have a theme song yet. Remind me to fix it in post. Okay. So I understand that the idea of working out every day seems horribly time consuming, boring, stressful, and not feasibly possible if you're not already working out on a regular basis. So I want to give some context uh, that can maybe help this conversation make a little more sense and give you some structure for what it means to work out every single day. The two biggest factors in your progress, development, and maintenance, which is the most important thing, it takes far more energy to build to something or take away something than it is to maintain, But that maintenance is where we tend to lose the battle, where we go back and forth on highs and lows, and that middle ground seems to be trouble for us. So anywhere we can squeeze in the importance of maintenance and making sure that is part of the program, that is fantastic. So two biggest factors in growth, development, and maintenance are the amount of movement you're doing in your everyday life outside of specified gym-styled workouts. And... The consistency over time of your gym-styled workouts. Manipulating and focusing on those two factors are the biggest concern with making sure you get to make progress and keep that progress once it's been made. Let's start with the first part. How much you move in general throughout the day outside of gym-specific workouts couple things to unpack here. Uh, One is the more movement you have in your generic life without specifying the movements, the less you require specific movement or exercise to see the results you're looking for. Right? So if you're walking a lot and using your body a lot throughout the day, uh, you don't necessarily need as much specific intense focus to see change that you're trying to develop. That's point one to why making sure you're increasing that is a good idea. The second part of that is that moving more in your day-to-day life provides more of a backup for the times when you can't find yourself time and space to work out more intensely or specifically. This means that you're never really ever falling off any imaginary bandwagon because you are moving and use your body anyways. The trap here is that 
If you're not already moving generically in your day-to-day -day life, there's no way to increase that level of movement without specifying focus at it. So we have to structure time, little bits throughout the day, every day. They can be five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes throughout the day where you're just walking, just moving at the lowest form of movement you can fit anywhere with ease without having to change your clothes. And doing that every single day is building the idea of moving every day. By building that adherence, your energy levels will go up, your level of being used to moving will go up, and you'll be able to move more outside of that as well. It is important to note that this movement should not leave you sore, exhausted, or completely out of breath. This should be something you, you're able to do for a little bit and go right back to doing something else without needing a rest or a break. Now that we have that in place, let's look at the second factor that has the biggest impact on your growth, progress, and maintenance. And that is the consistency over time of using specified movements. When I say work out every day, I do not mean take two hours, seven days a week of as high intensity uh, work as you can find to leave, uh, leave yourself dead every single time you're working out. That's not what I'm saying. And if that is what you're picturing, what, what you're saying, uh, I agree, you should not be doing that. I want you to imagine a workout that you would do if you do, were to do it once a week that is super intense, that covers a little bit of everything in your body, uh, and by the end of it, leaves you exhausted, but kind of feeling good, and over the next week, you're sore and recovering the entire time. I want you to picture that workout, and I want you to take that workout, and I want you to split it up into seven sections. And I want you to take each of those sections and do them throughout the week only. You can apply a timer to this if you want. But basically, uh, that big mega workout that's super crazy intense has a volume and intensity load that is good, but done at once is shocking your body and making you not be able to con be consistent or adhere to even moving more in general everyday life. So, you're looking at that workout. It has a little bit of everything. You have something that's uh, working your legs, your upper body, your core, and generally this is going to be strength training, but it can it can be mobility as well. Uh, it can uh, it can also be cardio, but we're covering that in your generic movement. So, this is probably some version of uh, strength movements. Picture that workout. It covers a little bit of everything. Take two of those exercises. Apply them to one day, do just those for the amount of sets and time you would be doing that part of the workout. Then the next day, take two more exercises. Do the same thing on day two and split it up into seven separate days. You don't have a day off. You don't have a day to recover from. Your bot, because you're doing separate exercises, the, the, the second day you're doing is hitting something that you didn't work the day before. So neither of those two spots are getting overworked. Also, that spot, the first spot you worked on is recovering so that by the time you come back to it, it is not broken and hurt. And the most important part is that your overall energy levels are not being destroyed. You have time to recover and adhere and adapt and not feel like trash after feeling really good for a short period of time.
The biggest factor in this is that you should leave each of these workouts feeling better than when you came in. If you're doing adhering to that principle with each of these sections of the workout, you divide it into seven days, you're on the right track. The benefit here of making sure that you're doing some version of this every single day is that you don't have to worry about if you did it yesterday or tomorrow, or, or if, uh, is that you don't have to worry about if you did it yesterday or you're going to do it tomorrow because today is happening or already happened. Somewhere down the line, as you're learning to do this, you'll forget and you'll miss. That's fine because you're also working on moving a little bit generically throughout the day and that will increase as well. You're building those, the systems to make sure those factors, the, the most important factors of your progress and maintenance are in place. Over time, absolutely include one big workout that is a lot of fun. But if that is the place you start, you'll never get to the point of adhering to maintenance. All right, lecture done. Moving on to the real reason you're here, the fantastic conversation with Haley Bell from Party of Two RPG. This is the second time we've talked to the podcast. She's the first ever repeat guest, and it is an honor for her to have that role. I'm so excited. We had a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it at least as half as much as we did. Hey, hey. people that are watching, we're, we're here with Everyday Superhero Cast, and uh, Haley, would you like to introduce yourself for those who don't know you? I don't know why they wouldn't, and uh, what you do, and who you are, and why you're awesome. And also how we know yes. each other. All of that. Remember it. Yes, all of those things. I can remember everything that you just said. Well, everyone should know who I am because you just should. I don't yes. really know why. But um, I am one half of the channel Party of Two. I run it with my husband, Weston. And we uh, play Pathfinder 2nd Edition and occasionally sprinkle in other uh, TTRPGs as well. We are a channel focused on marriage and family. And so our actual play on Friday nights is the two of us. We are duet players and I GM and he plays and... Then we switch and he GMs and I play. We play in the same world, same characters, same storyline, which apparently is incredibly unique. I learned that over the weekend. I mean, it's already unique Did... that it's two people. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah, we... I love it so much. You're normally past I... my bedtime. So this is this is special. I make I mean I set this aside just for you. Uh, uh... Thank you so much. I know we're so we we are so late for the East Coasters. For anybody mm. on the East Coast or farther, like I always feel bad because I'm like, I know you guys would love to come and watch us live and help and do all of the things, but it's really late and I always feel bad. But it's when our babies go to sleep. So when they're older and can handle themselves better, we'll stream earlier in the day. I mean, uh, it's also, also about have... doing it when you can do it. Like, that's... Yeah. And, and the, the whole point of us starting that specific show, which that was the first one that we started with, um, was which is because... Called... It's called party of two. Oh, that's I, 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 thank you. That was the one I was looking for. There uh, we go. I, <laughs> yeah, so the, we're going to do a camp. take two on that so I can cut it for the promo. Ready? Cut. Action. Wait, what am I saying? Hold the on. promo what? for the name of your show. Oh, so the name of our show is The Scions. It's an actual play of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and it is a duet. So I GM and my husband plays, or he plays. GMs and I play same world, same story, same characters. Beautiful. So, yeah. It's super fun. Yay. And then we Only have took two a... <laughs> <laughs> gold star. Um, 
Then we have another show on our channel called The Family Gaming Experience that we actually started with Lost Tribes Gaming. Yeah, that's the new one, right? Chat. Yeah, so we um it's it's an interview chat show that focuses on families and um you know all aspects of TTRPGs and gaming. So we interview, we've had some really incredible artists on who are TTRPG artists and uh, podcasters. And uh, we have a couple of uh, terrain builders coming. Um, and then we have a third show. We have three shows. <laughs> it's the longest intro ever. We have three shows. And then our third show is Tabletop Terrain Talks, which we started at about the same time we started the channel um, maybe a month later, where we talk about tabletop gaming, terrain, um, the mechanics and rules of different systems. We've had different creators on. We used to, it used to be a crafting show where we'd literally build. Yeah, stuff. that's why it had its name. Yeah, that's how we got the name because we would craft and talk about what we were crafting or building or whatever. And now it's become like pretty much strictly a chat show. I was talking over the weekend to a couple of TTRPG creators because I went to FanX. Which yeah, is wonderful. Uh, I'm, I so have that. Loved I have it. I actually have prepped, and I have that down as a keyword to bring up at some point. You're like fan X, yay! Um, but I went this weekend. Weston and I went for the very first time to anything publicly as party of two. So I made T-shirts um, that on the back of them said, uh, "The couple that slays together stays together." I yeah, think I, those I, were I awesome. did post about that on Twitter. Um, and it had our QR code on the bottom, so people could just scan it if they wanted to. We had business cards made, and the weekend was an exhaust exhaustion, just straight up. Weston and I were so tired because we were in major mental focus. Yeah, you were on the whole weekend. Yeah, you were. We were you were your performer we were, selves. We, we were. We like it was interesting because like we'd go to these panels, and I love. <laughs> I don't know who listens to your show, so I don't like I want to throw anybody anybody under the bus. So I'm not going to name names. However, <laughs> there were quite a few panels that we would go to that um, they they had the same, if not people of the same um, socioeconomic and um, representation, gender, and what yep. it was. It was all a bunch of old white dudes. Yep. Yep. talking about D D and about how to be a gm mm -hmm. there were a couple of younger people that um i was interested in talking to there was one panel the entire weekend that had um it was a panel of women and it was all about you know building characters and like how to become connected to your character and stuff like that but we we went and we're listening to these panels and we're listening to them talk and answering questions and it was infuriating yep because we're listening to them, these individuals chat about things that I feel like they should know better than they do. They're answering the questions in a very, um, like my way or the highway kind of way. And I, Weston leans over to me about halfway through the second day and he's just like, I feel like we would be able to answer all of these questions way better or in a manner that and resonates to a younger audience i i i would mm, i uh <laughs> i don't I like words a better uh, a more well-rounded represented audience like it, yeah yeah 
Yeah, because it just it was it was a little frustrating, and we're we're listening to these individuals talk, and not that they weren't a wealth of knowledge because they were. Most of the people that were on these panels had been playing for thirty years. Yeah, and so they were an incredible wealth of knowledge and information and history of the game and how it was played back in the day versus how it's played now and like the different changes of the gaming systems. And so like, I honor that, like that is an incredible thing to be able to sit down in a place of power of saying, I played this game for 35 years. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. There's very few people that can say anything even close to that, that they've stuck with one thing for 35 years, like not going to happen. Yep. So it, it was, it was very awe inspiring in that regards when they would introduce themselves. Like I've been playing for help for whatever many years. And then, to listen to the answers coming out of their mouth was a little bit like, come on, really? Like, you couldn't have figured out a more succinct way to say that? Like, or like you answered a question that was not the question that was asked. And so it really lit a fire underneath me of feeling like this is the last time we go to a con. We are not panelists, too. I think about who I am as a person and what really like what I've tried to create in the last five years. So when I, in 2018, I went to a thing called Warrior Women. It was a seminar life coach kind of thing. 300 women, um, all about like kind of tapping into who we are and the power that we can have as individuals. And after I left that, I felt this really deep desire to put something out there, to create something that would help other people. So I started a show, a podcast called Finding the Valkyrie. And the whole idea of it was to be for women who struggle with mental health issues. I remember we talked about uh, that in the last show too. Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, that yeah. last show. Yeah. So I started that show and it lasted for a little bit, but I, I didn't know what I was doing to be totally honest. Not the podcast side. I figured that out pretty quick, but I didn't know what I was doing in terms of like, what is my message? What yeah. am I wanting to say? to the world and so it petered out it it did what a lot of shows do which is pod fade it pod faded which yep. is sad um it still exists though it's still out there like every once in a while i'll go off, i'll see it like on something on my phone like um memories or like i'll be going through my apple podcast stuff and i'll see it pop up and i'm like i forget that's even still out there <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> um but I created that and then it, it kind of fell apart. My mental health deteriorated and, and I just didn't know really even what I wanted in life anymore. I had graduated from college. I didn't know who I was. I was going through an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not a student anymore, but I don't really like being a full-time mom, but I don't want to get a full-time job. Like it, it was a whole thing. Um, but that's been real consistent. And all of the things that I've tried to create over time is it's always been to try and help other people and I think with I feel like I don't know why but we're getting really deep tonight like I'm talking about stuff I don't normally talk about with anybody except for Weston we had the same thing happen on the last show and that was I know but 10,000 miles an hour faster because it had to be cut off in an hour and a half I this know, time we, we can like just expand and I can let it breathe <laughs> I know it's like ah um, this is by the way this is my superpower this is this is I know. beyond this is the part of me that was uh uh universe or god given i have no training it i have no idea why i take it completely for granted i was telling you before we went live i've i've been taking um a drug to help me with my insulin sensitivity 
and it, my babies did a number on my body and my hormones and they are completely imbalanced. And because of that, I've gained weight and I've had mental health problems and whatever. So we're trying to get that figured out and get that fixed. And a part of the, the um, combination of drugs is it's this thing called semaglutide. And then it's also a B12 shot. And okay. for people who have a deficiency in B12, that's what I want to make sure that's very clear. If you have a deficiency in B12, taking a B12 shot can completely change your life. Like 180, you become someone you don't recognize in a good way. I had so that before, with uh, vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D is the same. So I'm incredibly deficient in vitamin D and in B12, um, vitamin C as well. But I have a whole bunch of different uh, vitamins and minerals that I'm I'm really low in. And when I started taking the supplements to up those, I saw changes. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is cool. But the one that was the p- puzzle piece for my body was the B12. I took, I started taking this three weeks ago. And, um, but I, I have become the person that I wish I had been. That is that beautiful. We are clipping that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're like, we're going to take that spot you, right there. What you're described is something that I was going through when we talked last time. Uh-huh. We talked about how I felt I was finding myself f- right before people were supposed to be finding me. Like that yeah. was, I yes. was on, I was on mm-hmm. like the, I, my level of confidence and self-awareness was at a point where, uh, not that other people knew I existed, but I was at a point where if I were finding me, I would go, Ooh, here's this guy from this thing that I like, but I was finding it mm-hmm. for myself, which was a yeah. really trippy experience, but it led me to have confidence in like moving forward. Uh, but that sounds yeah. very similar to what I was going through. Yeah, so I I have always struggled with being tired and always felt a lack of emotional strength to take care of things, to handle the kids, to deal with the house, to build a business, to do all of those things. And I always felt like if only I had more energy, if only I wasn't so tired, if only this wasn't a drain on me. And I started taking this these um these shots and it was like Within a couple of days, my husband leans over to me and he's like, he and I literally work back to back. So Weston and I are with each other 24-7. Some people cannot understand how that works. And let me just tell you, he's my best friend. He's never not my best friend and I never don't want to be with him. Yep. Um, but he he looks at me and he's like, so you're like really aggressive, but not like in a bad way. <laughs> not like in a, I want to, like I'm mad at you way, but yeah. like in a you're like doing stuff. You're like not just yelling at the kids to stop doing X, Y, Z. You're saying it and then you're getting up and going over to them and making them stop doing whatever mm-hmm. it was they're not supposed to do. Yeah. Or you're, you're like today, the kids are just, my, my little babies, we're instigating a new system to try and help them with their behavior because it's so bad. And it with not with other people. Of course just not. With us. Yeah. Just with us. Um, perfect little angels for grandma, perfect little angels at school, absolute hellions here at home. And so we're like, okay, we're going to start doing something different for this. And they, we've had day because we've been instigating this. The kids are trying to figure out boundaries and like they're How pushing on stuff. And like, 
Yeah, like, can I, like, what am I going to get a point for? What am I not going to get a point for? Like, they're trying to figure out this whole system that we've instigated. And normally, because of the way that they behaved, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going to go shopping for the next three and a half hours. I don't want to touch you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want nothing. I want nothing to do with you. But I'm getting ready to go. And we did have stuff that we needed to, I needed to go to the store for. And instead of feeling this impulse to just, like, slink out the door, like I rolled a nat 20 in stealth. Like I wanted my little boy to come with me. Yeah. And I just looked at Weston and I said, Hey, like he was doing reading with the older ones. And I said, Hey, I'm going to go to the store. Should I take Jacob with me? And he's like, yeah, he's the only one that doesn't have homework. So go ahead and take him. And like, that was not an emotional cost for me. Right. And this is because of the B12. So when we talk about mental health and creating spaces where you can begin to heal, I, I feel like our society has so taken on the idea that take a pill, feel better, that th- there's not a look at like body composition and makeup. Like if you are low in the things that your body needs to function properly, you are not going to have the ability mentally mm-hmm. to handle anything, mm-hmm. anything difficult that's coming up. So like this last year that Weston and I have been trying to build this, this channel and this show. And we had an idea when we first started and this circles all the way back to the underlining idea of wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. The f- reason we started was to kind of be an example of, hey, this is this is how you can play with your spouse and it can be fun. And it doesn't take an entire party and it doesn't take like this massive amount of things to do. It can just be the two of you. It only takes two people to sit down at a table and play. Yep. And that was the whole idea. And as we've been trying to build the the channel, I have had my hand tied behind my back. Yep because of these issues and now that that puzzle piece has been found it's like the entire world has opened up for me mm-hmm. and i'm still tired because i'm still so that 35 go away. and <laughs> no i'm still 35 and haven't had the healthiest of an adult life and so i'm still trying to rebuild that but the fact that you asked do you want to do it six or eight and my first thought was Let's do eight o'clock. That's after when the boys go to bed. So I don't miss bedtime. Like that's, that's not the person that I was a month ago. Yeah. So I'm like all emotional right now. That's okay. That's what I, that's the person I wanted to be five years ago. And I didn't realize what was missing. You can't, you can't know what you don't know. Like, no, there, and it's interesting because you're uh, you were you mentioned like the idea of like take a pill and make it better, uh, and in a way like right now, there's a little bit of like realization of like what's feeling better, but it's not yeah. it's not like an instant everything changed. It's more like that initial push of the wheel turning was turned on. So you're not like starting from a dead stop with everything you're trying to do, and I think that's yeah. something that gets missed in what the role of of finding help uh, means, uh, whether it's yeah. from from changing a prescription, whether it's getting a, a, a diagnostics of like what's your blood work, what are your what are your how are you laid out, uh, mm-hmm. um, and not and not, unfortunately and- not everyone can do that, but 
there is um there is there's so uh, many pieces to the puzzle so many. that it's like there, just keep trying yeah. if you're struggling yeah there, there and is I, and you go. I, re- I realize that I, I might have made it sound like I'm discounting taking, um, like depression, like SSRIs, SSRIs or, or, um, antipsychotics or anything like that. Like you, that is what kept me from killing myself and my children. Yeah. And so there, there are times and places and I had to get to the other side of that before I could start looking at my physical health. Absolutely. As a, as a puzzle. So like, and I, I do get really frustrated, especially with people who are in, um, religious communities because a lot of it is just like have faith and, you know, just move, just move forward and everything will be okay. And like, there's a lot of, um, platitudes that are given. And then the end is like, well, if you absolutely have to go get meds and it's like treated like a shameful thing. And I didn't, I didn't, even consider being on medication for a really long time because I felt like it meant that I was a failure. Mm -hmm. Like somehow I was going to be one of those moms. And I remember sobbing and telling Weston that exact line. Yep. And now looking back on it, I'm like, I understand that I had to go through this mourning period of this ideal in Mm -hmm. my head of what I thought a good mom did and was to become the mom that I could be not what society was telling me I needed to be. And that like is a businesswoman as well. And trying to figure all this stuff out and building a channel. Like I had, I have to let go of those expectations of, you know, being an overnight success Yep. of wanting to be as big as critical role (laughs) because everyone, everyone, I do not care who you are everyone starts a stream because they think they're the next critical role i get i personally battle from two sides of of the same camp coin in my own head and one is Mm -hmm. uh uh that uh the idea of medication is to bridge the gap between what seems off to get you to the point where what you do on a day-to-day level produces what is right uh and then on the mm-hmm. other side of that uh, means that um, being on such a medication is the beginning of a process, not the process. It's the yes. It's like like you mentioned with the the B twelve. Um, it didn't fix everything, but it gave you a level. Uh, it gave you a first gear where maybe you kept starting in second gear and sputtering to like catch up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a fear of having to be on medication or a stigma with being on medication in the first place, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other side is yes. a reliance on medication that is, I made it to medication, now I'm done. And and I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to try. Right. I don't have to. Yeah. And if and exactly. there is there is no point in which our well being as when we're alive no longer requires effort yeah there's there's never a aha i'm done and i can sit back and it's worth it that's a nice clip you should clip that (laughs) uh the our our idea of of joy and fun and worthiness comes from 
a sense of doing things that are against resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the the moment that we actually like let go completely is uh, technically death. Like that's so like the the point mm-hmm. at which we're thinking of where we reach a finite point in our life that is all, all the rights have been wronged. I can stop worrying about it is literally when we're moving on to what other other existence we can't fathom here right, mm-hmm. right now. Um, yep. Uh, and that, and that stretches world. all the way into uh, where what role the medication plays. Like if, if mm-hmm. and I have that with, with, with uh, vitamin D. We, we've actually, within the closing of the gym and living in a place that had no natural window light. <laughs> uh, um, in Tennessee in the summer when it's 85 and sunny and I can go outside, like I still just, yeah. And it was during lockdown, so <laughs> everyone was inside. But um, yeah. We, 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 uh, based on our understanding of how things work and being reading research and stuff, uh, found, uh, herbal supplements that, uh, were building blocks or con- chain connectors between where, where we're stuck and where we needed to get. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hesitant to say them out loud because I don't like prescribing stuff <laughs> uh but we uh a mix uh, there was a mix of uh for me vitamin d was the big one uh but there mm-hmm. was um ashwagandha and there was uh horny goat weed was the other one uh and lion's mane i like ashwagandha ashwagandha is a good one yeah uh and and the re- the the trouble with the, that kind of stuff is that the way it's tested can't produce results in what uh, for what it's actually supposed to do because there, yeah. it, it's not like ashwagandha it doesn't like make you feel better it doesn't give you a high it doesn't it doesn't remove things it elicits over time <laughs> uh mm-hmm. a uh an increased capacity for your body to process while in fight or flight with, oh. so so like if stress right okay is, okay okay stress is mm-hmm. prolonged or anxiety or, or anxiety uh anxiety is prolonged traumatic stress acutely or, or mm-hmm. small yet over a long period of time that like when you're in fight or flight and just like in immediate stress like your digestion yeah. can't work your heart rate's pounding your uh everything mm-hmm. switches off from vital functions so you can like fight the bear and survive and when yeah, a- anxiety your parasympathetic your Yep. parasympathetic nervous system is always i when i went and did all of my health my body all of the things that was one thing that they te- they tested was my parasympathetic nervous system to see if it was always on yep uh it's not by the way <laughs> right it's just uh, it's like it's like it thinks about being on yep. all the time uh so anxiety <laughs> is one of two things um either it is the prolonged exposure of that sensation on a small level um, because mm-hmm. it's like repeated trauma that you can't quite escape or yeah. it's a sense of that of fear brought on by not being able to know where the threat is so your brain mm-hmm. thinks something's mm-hmm. chasing you but you can't see it so it turns on a little bit of fight or flight which is basically your adrenaline pumping and it's going mm-hmm. all the time uh, when you're operating in that state uh, you have more gut inflammation you have more joint aches you have more cold you get sick more often uh uh, your energy level is struggling. You're you're 
operating from less than neutral to get to neutral when you're getting up in the morning. Those are that's mm-hmm. what the anxiety blanket is pulling from you every day. Uh, yeah. The, the ashwagandha lets the parts that are being numbed uh, function a little bit, which means that the instead of removing stuff from your anxiety basket, it opens the top layer and allows room for more. And if you don't do anything about it, you just put more anxiety on top of it and it doesn't matter. But what it's yeah. doing is giving you that little bit of, I'm not dying, nothing's chasing me. You can breathe. I can breathe, I can move this morning. You still have to make that step. It won't feel like mm-hmm. you can, but once you start moving, you can put another foot in front of the other one, another foot in front of the other one. But it gives you that ability mm-hmm. to, Oh, and again, it's over time because it's not like a miracle yeah. pill. Pill. Well, all all herbal um, supplements like that. Like my sister, so I have two sisters and two brothers, and my oldest sister is an Ayurvedic doctor, and so she herbal supplements, remedies, all that kind of stuff is huge for her. And her big thing is she's she drives her crazy what medical doctors will do sometimes or like people will say well you should just take like you know st john's wort and vitamin d and you won't be depressed anymore and it drives her crazy because it's all about the level at which your body needs it and so she's been taught and she's learned from her from her um her teachers and her masters and stuff like that in her training how to figure out how much your body actually needs because if you're not taking a therapeutic level of the herbal supplement for your body, which is going to be different than like somebody else's body, like yep. my body is going to take a level that yours is going to take a different level of, um, it won't matter. Yep. She's like, so there are so many people out there that are, you know, wasting hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year. Cause some of these supplements are very expensive. Yeah. And, and the- she's like, it's, it's just producing very, very expensive pee. It is. Because um, your body's not doing anything with it. Nope. The, and the ones that do help are uh, fat soluble, which means mm-hmm. uh, they collect over time in your fat cells and then get moved along through your bloodstream, uh, mm-hmm. which is why it's important to eat healthy dietary fat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and, and like that the toxins are so much the same way too. Like when, when you start losing weight, like, so on this, this, um, semaglutide that I've been on, um, in two, so this is week three, I'm going into week three right now. Today's day one of week three in two weeks, I've lost three pounds of fat. And I, I know that because of, I'm doing a body scan yep. every week mm-hmm. at about the same time every day. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching uh, these levels and I'm seeing like what I started at and then what my week, week one, week two was, um, and whatnot. But I've noticed that with the releasing of this fat in the, the, my body being able to absorb and get rid of it. If I'm not drinking a lot of water, I start to feel headaches and feel uncomfortable because it's releasing that toxin yep. that the fat's been holding on to. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's really interesting. All of this stuff that you start to learn, like I said on Twitter, I didn't realize how sick I was. Yeah. Until I started to get healthy. Yeah. We, we also, to get healthy. we look at, um, <clears throat> um, being healthy as being alive, uh, or not mm-hmm. sick, which is a very low level of being able to, again, That's a bare minimum, as <laughs> bare minimum yep, <laughs> of being able to, uh, 
exhibit what we were mentioned talking about before of finding the blend between like the your metaphysical self and your physical self like your mm-hmm. your that's yeah. that pursuit requires all hands on deck so you're cutting it short mm-hmm. when you're allowing just enough of you to exist and yeah. it's i don't want to discredit anyone's experience because i'm not saying it's not hard it is and it sucks mm-hmm. uh and uh i love this of this saying uh the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you which means it's you felt trauma yeah. on a level that matches anything you can fathom with anyone else. It might not, you can yeah. compare it to someone else's trauma and be like, well, I wasn't hit by a car, so that's great. But everything you've experienced has affected your limbic system on the level that someone else can feel it. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, whatever, everything we go through is extremely valid and, and, and requires empathy to be dealt with. Like that is, I'm not trying to take that away. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with that. Hey, no, we're not done. That wasn't a sudden cut on the end of the episode. We're about halfway through the conversation with Haley from Party of Two RPG. And I just want to remind you that Mission Quest, an exercise-infused TTRPG, is a real thing and does exist. It is a single-page, high-improv, tabletop role-playing game infused with the social accountability and fun of a group exercise class. It is run remotely through the website everydaysuperheroesrunning.com if you're interested to learn more head there or just reach out to me personally and i can tell you all you need to know back to the conversation with Haley bell i i've started to work out again for the first time in probably five years and i have always experienced something where if i work out really really hard i have a migraine later in the day so I will work out really hard, like my heart rate up to like 60, 165, 170. Um, and then within two or three hours later in the day, I'll start to feel kind of a little like, uh, and then by the evening I will have gone into full blown migraine mode. So I've had to be very aware of my heart rate, which is why I bought a Fitbit so that I could be aware of my heart rate at all times and never be super stressed about whether or not it was too high. Mm-hmm. So I said that out on Twitter and just talking about how I didn't realize how sick I was. And you and I got into a conversation about it, um, and which we then took to Discord to chat. Because um, it's about, more than 140 like, characters, and I'm very cognizant of when it turns personal. <laughs> well, and for me, it wasn't even a personal thing. It was just like... It's just easier to talk through Discord on this topic than yeah. on Twitter because then you're not having to do like tw- number one, number two, number three, yeah. number four. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, so annoying. Um, so yeah, so the the different stretching advices and thinking that like it was more of my form uh, that might have been causing the problem and the the muscles that were being engaged. When I or was not working engaged, out instead actually, of, is the problem. <laughs> or, yeah, not engaged. The ones that were compensating and the ones that were not being engaged um, was creating more of the problem than the heart rate. Because I just assumed, I mean, that was the easiest thing to look at. Right. And say, oh, my heart rate got out to 145. I had a migraine later that day. Okay, I guess I can't have it above 130. Yeah, and both of those things are true and accurate. Mm-hmm. They are true and accurate, but the idea of watching form and stretching out those muscles that were compensating. Like, so today 
I uh, worked out on the elliptical. Mm-hmm. And I made sure that my arms were moving because on the elliptical, I have a tendency to hold on to the two little bars. Yeah. That's, what, that's why I asked about and railings on the treadmill. I know. And I know that's why you asked. And it, it did go through my mind. And I thought about that. And I was like, oh, I let go of the bars because of that conversation that you and I had. And I realized that I needed to sit, uh, stand up a little bit more and make sure that my core was engaged and keep myself in a better alignment. And then Nickelback came on, and I had to bebop to Nickelback for a little while. So my form completely disappeared. But that was probably better <laughs> because it, you're moving the muscles and turning them on and in you in a different way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was I was like doing like this like jazzy thing. Yeah, I, see, like, that's good. I had good. my hair up in a big bun, yep. and so it was like I was making it spin. Yeah, I probably looked ridiculous. Sounds like a good but time. But I had though. a wonderful time. Yay. Um. But my heart rate today went up to 165, mm-hmm. and I I feel a little bit of a tension, but not a migraine, mm-hmm. which is, like, really great for me because I want to be able to work out really, really hard and get my heart rate. Like, I, when I was healthier mm-hmm. and working out really hard before I had kids, if I didn't get my heart rate to 175, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Which is funny, because, like, knowing what I do now, no. I'm like, I, there was no reason for my heart rate to get up that high. Like, none. <laughs> like, why was it? Because it would, like, sit at, like, 150. Yep. And as I got healthier and healthier, it would go down and down. And I'd be like, huh, I got to get it up there. <laughs> like, and I'm just, it's the competitive nature with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was very contrary to the things that I was finding online that was talking about, like, um, where your heart rate and your like electrolyte levels can affect that. And they, I think they called it like the, the runner's slump or something like that, where you exhaust, essentially you'd exhausted everything and then you're just hurt afterwards. And the yeah. only thing to do is to like eat. And so we implemented that and I don't honestly feel like there was a big change from just that yeah but paying attention to what my body was doing or why your body was was doing it that's what i was trying to communicate yeah the why and that's like i'm sitting here and i can see your shoulder now i noticed my shoulder (laughs) i know you can see my shoulders now see like here i'm totally up straight you can kind of see but this shoulder rises yeah just a little bit. Yep. And this side of my neck mm-hmm. is always so tense. And this is normally where my migraines start. Yeah. And like my, so both of my sisters are um, massage therapists, one being the Ayurvedic doctor as well. And so she will work on me every time she sees me. And she's always just like, your left side is stupid tense. Like, she's like, I don't understand how you could not always have a migraine with how tense that side of your body is. And it's because I just, I hold it. I don't mean to. Mm -hmm. Like, I like sit back and I'm like, stop it. Yep. So, so, and then it's, it's, it's important because I'm not, uh, uh, again, it's not that your other information was wrong because you are hitting a runner slump and, uh, and the byproduct of that, that, uh, hitting is that your body falls to its weakest common denominator because it's out of all energy. So the mm-hmm. points that are already misaligned become 
uh, inflamed because they're squeezed more than they would already. Or, we, or like your yeah. uh, the sh uh, if the shoulders are uh, already tight and now you have energy, the whole back is now curving because it doesn't want to hold itself stuff mm -hmm. up anymore. And it's uh, yeah. the uh, everything you had already gained knowledge wise was true and something unlike. It, but it was the symptom. It wasn't the why are you feeling yeah. that version of a symptom. Uh, someone it wasn't who has the cause, a, right. right? Someone who has a like a lower back issue, uh, the same thing would make them feel they threw out their back after running every time. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. uh, looking at the uh, relationship between the symptom of pain and how it relates to the chronic use of her body. Because there's there's not a, a there's not a when you get hit by a car. Uh, and then and walk away, but have a limp for like three months. You know why? There's the, like yeah. a there's an external force that caused the body to like be damaged, and you have to heal from it. Mm -hmm. When we don't have yeah. that moment, the pains that we are feeling are habitually based. They're they're from years and years of not right or wrong, but just how we've learned to exist. Just the, the way we've done it. Yeah, uh, and. The, the biggest reason uh, we feel more and more pain as we get old is it takes more and more work to undo the damage that we've been secretly hiding in place all those years. Because mm -hmm. those little things build up over... Makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of it... The, the reason I had like those conversations is because the lessons are in strength training. But we think of strength training as lifting a barbell really, really heavy. When yeah. the basic nature of strength training is teaching your nervous system to move your body through range of motion. And it's that signal mm. from the nervous system to the muscle firing that is the base level that people tend to feel chronic pain from. Um, I mm. suffer from being hypermobile, which means uh, that my, without, if I'm not paying attention, uh, my sing brain signals try to fire from the ligaments first and then the muscles turn on. Uh, oh. it's, it's an extremely, uh, white person trait, uh, like, uh, nor like deep in the Norwegian <laughs> mountains. Like it's when you see the, ga the gangly blonde Swede that has like all knees and elbows and you don't understand how they don't break everything all the time. That's uh -huh. hypermobility. And it's, oh, okay. it's, okay. it's, uh, I also have other weird genetic traits, but, uh, in, in a lot of people, uh, and some, some version of that exists, like when we rest our hands for very long periods of time, the muscles will naturally stop firing a signal because it's not moving, but the ligaments are still taking mm -hmm. that stress. And that's where we get like carpal tunnel or arthritis or that kind of stuff. Uh, mm, but mm -hmm. so, so like my version of like your shoulder is that uh, if I stand for very long periods of time, uh, my, my leg muscles turn off. And now I'm stacking my knees through my uh, ligaments in my knees. And it I don't lose any muscle mass. I don't lose any strength. But I feel like uh -huh. I have no cartilage in my knees. And, my, uh, yeah. and then my feet feel like they're blocks of cement. Like I'm not athletic at all. But again, I can lift the same amount of weight as soon as I start using the muscles again. So like, uh -huh. and it took most of my adult life before I knew this was a thing uh, to realize uh -huh. that it takes more work for me to have to strengthen that connection so that it takes longer for it to turn off. Uh, mm. So like if I'm, and if I'm moving, it's fine. If I'm walking around, I can walk for days. Mm -hmm. But if I literally stand still, it physically hurts after like 10 minutes because everything turns off. Interesting. And it stacks to the bones instead of the muscles.
Huh. And if I don't pay attention to that, I think, oh, there's something wrong with my knee. Let's go see a surgeon and cut it open and figure out why. But it's not addressing mm-hmm. the nature of what my body's trying to do or tell me. Yeah. Well, and that aspect of, of Western medicine is very frustrating, too, because they're, most doctors are not trained to look at the root cause of an issue. They are trained to just treat the symptoms right. and fix the symptoms. Which, which has served you know, some... very well for a long time and, yeah. it, and has a very good purpose. <laughs> it does. Well, and reactionary medicine is incredibly important, which is what we have, mm-hmm. um, our, our Western medical system. Um, but it's very interesting because you look at the Eastern side, Eastern medicine is not reactionary. No. It is all preventative. Like everything is preventative. Mm-hmm. And some of some of it's really wakey and super weird and definitely not something that actually helps. But their whole idea is, you know, a pound of, uh, what is it? The, a pound of, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of antidote. Yeah. And so, you know, you do, you do the things. And I think that as we become adults and we begin to learn how to relearn yep we relearn what we learned before um along with that whole idea of authoritarianism and like you you go to school because you are being taught how to sit and do a job right we are taught to listen to the doctors and don't question what they say and don't do research on your own even though they're 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 not trained to give you the answers you're looking for and it's no, it's they're... i, I want to it's not the doctor's fault. The doctor no, is trained are... in a very specific algorithm that is really difficult to memorize. That is, uh-huh. uh, it is their job to let you know that after you've gotten sick or injured, that they have a way to make you not feel that suffering. It is your job then mm-hmm. to build you back up to what you were before. That is not their responsibility. Yeah. That is, I get, no, I, I get really mad with uh, not specifics, but the manner and communications that physical therapists communicate with their patients, because they're the steps uh-huh. between you broke, you fixed it and go back to normal. And the physical mm-hmm. therapy is looked at as a temporary linear fix. They're like, you do this for this amount of time, you should be healed and you can go back to doing whatever, whatever you're doing. Then it is the one yeah. area where you can start building lifestyle changes that could prevent a similar issue from happening. Because technically, mm-hmm. if you someone if you have to get cut open, what they've repil- repaired because of science is going to grow back stronger. If it breaks again, it's because the things around it structurally weren't taught to support it anymore. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, it's like I look at um, my body and the way that my injuries happened through pregnancy with diastasis recti or diastasis, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, is that I look at pictures of myself when I was young and I stood so horribly. My body had no chance. Yeah. No chance to not have that happen. Um, because I, I stood kind of, I like curved my back a little bit cause I hunched my shoulders cause I was six feet tall by the time I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I was very tall. I was very self-conscious. So I always rounded my shoulders and my back was always a little curved. And so I had a little poochy pooch because my core, my transverse abdominals were not tightened mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know 
that? Like, how, how could you as a 15-year-old know that that's what in 30 years, 20, in 20 years what this was going to do? to my body Mm -hmm. and so like i've i've gone to physical therapists and um thankfully i went to a a whole like i don't even know what she calls herself like she has a specific title for herself but um it's like she looks at everything so she does a full body like we're not just gonna do the diastasis or the diastasis we're gonna look at everything i want to see how you stand i want to see the way that your body like when you lay down what's happening with your body what's happening with your skeletal structure she had me do all these different exercises and um then she gave me some of the most simple things to do that i was like are you sure (laughs) blowing up balloons really that's gonna help and she did explain it to me in in those specific exercises but she did say she's like you know this is if you push a cart at a grocery store this is how you need to push a cart at the grocery store from now on. Mm-hmm. This is how you need to pick up your children from now on. This is how you need to do X, Y, Z from now on. This is no, this is not a quick fix and then you're done kind of thing. Like you're saying like, oh, we're doing six weeks of this exercise and you're healed. You're perfect. Yeah. It's fine. Um, she was very much like you, this is, this is a forever thing and you have to change the way you move your body. Yep. Um, I was very not willing to do it and so now six years later i'm in worse shape than i was then Mm -hmm. because i wasn't willing to do it then i'm willing to do it now and i'm paying for it now like i'm i'm personally paying the cost that i need to to do the exercises and to um look into surgery to give my body that extra support because it is such a big gap it's a 10 finger separation which is for those that don't know, diastasis is a rip of the abdominal wall, yeah. essentially. Which basically, uh, we think of the abs as this, this wonderful, beautiful thing, uh, but the part of the core we actually care about, because all, all the abs do is keep your spine from falling over. Uh, the rest, the rest mm-hmm. of uh, your core actually fits as a tool belt around your pelvis, if you were to imagine, yep. like, on a skeleton. Uh, and that is the fulcrum mm-hmm. point for all movement. Uh, so if it goes, movement is stunted. And it's also, yes. even without injury, the thing that causes the most stripe and thinking you feel old. Because it's the thing that turns because off. Because you're you... back. Yeah. Because if mm-hmm. because it grows stiff and tight, then you go to stand up and your back hurts. And your back hurts because it was not supported by the core. And it's not mm-hmm. right or wrong. It's just, that's what the body does. Yeah, it is. And it's a very interesting thing to be on a pathway of trying to fix that, of trying to heal that, of and knowing that no matter how much physical therapy I do because of the nature of that injury, it is never going to heal Yeah. the way that once the fibers are ripped, they are ripped. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's very frustrating. I'll be doing these exercises and just be annoyed. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I have to have surgery anyway. And it's like Weston has to remind me. He's like, because the recovery time for your surgery would be way better if you work on this now instead of do nothing and then have a massive overhaul change of your body. And you'll have to do them anyways after the surgery. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, you're going to have to do them anyways, so you might as well get used to them. And And it's really interesting because they are very simple things that that you start out with as you're healing that. It's like practicing transverse um, TVA breathing, transverse abdominus breathing. Um, And then like 
having your knees prop or not prop, but your feet down laying on the floor where your feet are like your knees are making little points and one leg goes out and then the other leg goes out and then one leg goes out. Mm -hmm. Like it's stuff like that. It's so simple, but it's, it's forcing your body to do, to engage the correct muscles. And we just don't ever think about that. Nope. And that is, that is, yeah. So that was the conversation I was having with you was, uh, I was teaching yes. you what strength training actually is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which yeah, is when... a conversation that has to have nuance. Uh, because yeah. it's there's a leap of faith that's required uh, to believe what's going to happen on such a small level. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so if I give uh, a blanket statement of what someone should do, uh, it won't work because it won't fit what they need the strength training to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's so funny because so many people who are, well, so many women who are in my situation, um, they also have pelvic floor issues, yeah. but because of my history as a opera singer, the amount that I had to work my pelvic floor to allow my um, stability of my lungs to sing the way that I needed to sing, my pelvic floor has always been perfect. Mm -hmm. So when everybody, that's what, it took me a very long time to figure out what was going on because of that, because I didn't have incontinence, because I didn't have problems um, after I had my babies. I was always like, well, it can't be that. Cause they say that that's like the big thing, like with diastasis recti, like issues, like it's, I don't have pelvic floor issues. And then somebody pointed it out to me that they're like, well, yeah, that's because you are a trained opera singer. And not only an opera singer, you're a special type of opera singer that like goes above and beyond. It's like opera on steroids. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yep. Oh, and on that note, we've been talking for almost three hours yeah. uh, and I need to go to bed okay. and it's almost one o'clock your time. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting more and more excited as we're talking. Uh... <laughs> I know you're like, I'm more jazzed. Okay. We need to have these conversations earlier in the day. <laughs> this this, is, like this has been wonderful. Thank you. No. I, this is this has been so much fun. Did you have any other things that you were like, I really want to talk about this before she's gone? Um, I mean, for the live audience, uh, the fact that I'll be guesting on your show is nice. I tend to cut yes! out. I tend to cut out um, stuff that is time sensitive for the podcast, so that it, yeah, it doesn't. Get... I meant like about the mental health stuff because you said you wrote down like four things you wanted to ask me about. Um, the general, well, uh, it. I have two thoughts. We'll finish those. Uh, okay. That's some, what I meant. And then I'm I, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the one is, um, learning that, uh, physical, mental, and emotional health are one equal priority. And, mm -hmm. uh, so like when you're learning like physical issues that you can work on that help your mental health, that is because it's one, mm -hmm. it's all health. It's one thing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's uh, the light bulb moments that people tend to have are uh, when those spots connect in the middle. Uh, when mm -hmm. when you realize that uh, if the way I tend to eat eat is affecting my mood, if I change the way I eat, that will change my mood the other way. Like there's, but it it mm -hmm. it goes. It requires a lot of self intuition, and self intuition is very painful and. It is. Yeah. And you being able to admit to yourself that 
uh, you did this to yourself with no with no sense of judgment is almost impossible it's not, it, there is no fault it just it just it, it just is and then now you it move just on. is well and <laughs> it's it's really interesting because i don't know if other women feel this way uh because i made my baby's bodies they were physically made inside of me and so there's a level that i feel like of responsibility for them for their bodies for the way that they came out because they were made inside of mine mm -hmm. i was the building blocks for their body uh so i look at my son my oldest whom who really he is brilliant and he is creative and he's very smart he's very very smart um he's also a jerk he has zero impulse control uh he has no ability to say no to anything he wants um so it's not just i have no impulse control i want to touch that thing i'm going to touch it no it's i've been banned off of the computer and i will wake up in the middle of the night and test every single computer in the house to see if one of them is unlocked yep um it's that it, it's and it's very dangerous um and he doesn't understand why yeah and he doesn't see it and this is his brain this is his brain working this is his brain functioning and there's a part of me that has always felt responsible for his mental state because i created his brain my body and i i definitely had to work through that idea and it was difficult and i've heard a lot of other women who have children with autism or children with real severe learning disabilities that they're having to work through with their kids um feel that same sense of responsibility and guilt and i didn't realize how intense that was for myself uh until like where i could i could conceptualize i understood what i was feeling with michael i was able to kind of like finally through a lot of work step away from that and feeling that guilty and understanding this is his body especially with the religious background that i have and like this is his experience on this planet this is his body he was i'm not in control god's in control he's the one orchestrating what happened so it's not my fault mm -hmm. and it's okay plus i was the healthiest of all three pregnancies with him yep <laughs> just saying That's funny. um but uh you know in being able to come to a place of saying my and this kind this ties into the mental health thing it's like it was my body that created or created michael mm -hmm. it's not my body's responsibility for what michael is it's my responsibility to put food in my mouth however i cannot guilt my my soul my being my worth of who i am because of the choices that i made to cope yeah because i ate to cope right um instead of you know drinking alcohol or or doing drugs or you know having copious amounts of sex like i the thing that i chose to do to numb the pain was eat yeah and as with the medication, that was able to pull me out of the rut that I was in. And then I was able to start addressing the food.
And that was a very difficult thing to do. It is an ongoing process because our society is totally fine saying you are an alcoholic, you need to go to rehab. So go to rehab, get better. Don't drink alcohol anymore. And you can, you can stay away from the bars, from the people, from the, the, you know, the grocery stores. I mean, I am, I'm in Utah, so we don't have liquor that's sold in grocery stores here. It's just beer. Um, but like you, you can, you have the option to not do that. But when you're addicted to sugar, which treats your, it, it acts in your body the exact same way that cocaine does. It does the exact same things to your brain. Um, there is no rehab. Nope. For people who are addicted to sugar. Nope. Unless, and it's unless, socially acceptable. unless you count, um, the actual, like, emergency weight loss facilities but that's not for the sugar that's 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 yeah yeah, that's different that's that's for a different set of things this is for an actual because i i presented with my sugar addiction the exact same way that somebody with a cocaine addiction presents exactly Mm -hmm. and i guarantee if we had done brain scans when i was like having withdrawals it would have looked exactly the same. And I, I didn't understand that until I went to rehab with my sister. It was family week and I was able to go and learn about what she was going through as an alcoholic and what she, the battles she was fighting. And I learned that sugar and cocaine have exactly the same reaction in the brain. Uh, brain scans with people who are currently in the middle of a high for cocaine and a high from sugar look exactly the same. Um, I, I didn't realize how serious it was. And in the last year, I had to face that on a real intense level. Mm -hmm. And that was not something that was pretty. No. Having to admit that I was having panic attacks when I felt like I couldn't go get sugar. Um, having, having full on like breakdowns when I would be triggered by something and my reaction to cope was to go get sugar and realizing I couldn't leave the house for whatever reason. It was, it was, I would, I would turn into a beast. I did not recognize this human being Mm -hmm. and having to come face to face with that and not be judgmental to myself. So when you talk about the mental health aspects, that's what the medication was so important for me for, is that the medication had to allow, it gave me space to think rationally for a little while. Yep, absolutely. So that I, I, I wasn't stuck in that space anymore. And then I was able to start taking on my health. And through a series of events that I do feel like were divine, Mm-hmm. I was able to find the doctor that I currently have and it's not the doctor that I felt like was the divine thing it was what the doc what he could give me right which was the the pathway to the semaglutide with the b12 to, to have the body scans to figure out what I was lacking mm-hmm. because I can honestly say I have not had a craving for sugar in two weeks that's awesome and that is so unreal to me. I've wanted it. 
Yeah. I've been like, ooh, I really, oh, this sounds really good right now. But I have not had that craving where I, I'm, I go into the parasympathetic nervous system turns on and I go into fight or flight. And I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack because I can't get the sugar. I, I have not experienced that in two weeks. And I did a lot of mental stuff before this happened, before I started on this drug to try and help. So I like when you talk, it's a whole thing. It is a whole process and the medical side of it, the getting the drugs to keep you a alive. Yep. If you were in long enough place, to figure out what's going on, to figure out what's happening to, I like, I've heard somebody say, uh, say it once is that when you're in depression, you, it's like having a wagon that's gone over the same muddied path again and again and again and again and you can't get the wagon wheel out of that path anymore yep it's not possible and what the medication does is it comes in with a crowbar and it forces the wheel out of the rut and puts it on high ground mm -hmm. and i'm like that's the perfect analogy for what medication does so that whole process, yes, it's a whole thing. And I'm so thankful that I'm in a place financially where we can afford for us so to true. do these things. Yeah. Um, because, you know, five years ago, no. We could never have afforded the the price that it is for this drug that I'm on right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's a whole thing. It is. Do all of the things. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, in response to that, I'm going to give you one last parable that I had jotted down. Uh, to share okay. uh, related to that thought process. Um, this is not my yeah. story. This is a story that I've heard like six degrees of separation from the original source. Um, but okay. it, it, I love it because it, to me, defines the relationship with uh, between our emotional, uh, mental, and physical pain and uh, the road to balancing it with the it's kind of tying it to like the, the pursuit of like what uh, purpose that we were kind of, mm -hmm. kind of touching on. Uh, and it, uh, there was a group of Western, um, what are they called? Medication salespeople who were wondering why. Pharmaceutical reps? Yes, that one. Uh, <laughs> who, who were. I think it was like the, the heads of like the companies that represent them were wondering why technically their stuff was legal, able to be bought, uh, but not being like prescribed by uh, um, doctors in, I, I want to say it was Thailand. I could be wrong. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so they went, like, they got, they put boots on the ground, they visited, they had an idea of, like, how the, uh, healthcare system works and all these things, and they're like, these are, these are people that are suffering symptoms that are very similar to what our stuff can, can fix, but, like, mm -hmm. the doctors aren't even su su subscribing it. Like, why, how are we supposed to make sales if, like, the people that are supposed to tell you to buy it aren't telling you to buy it? Aren't telling you to buy it, yeah. yeah. Um, and they 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 were they realized that they didn't have a word for depression that could match the symptoms or a cause of symptoms that they would use to describe it. But while they mm. were there, they they watched they they had there was one specific uh, person I guess that talked to them about what they're describing, 
and they had actually the doctor had treated someone who uh, was going through what they were describing, which was a a pain that physical treatment could not fix. There wasn't there wasn't a bandage or a wrap or surgery that this person had gone through to fix their body that could fix what mm-hmm. the pain they were feeling is the pain they were feeling was inside of their soul. There was a sense of them that was injured. And the individual mm-hmm. had uh, been a like a rice paddy worker and had purpose because this, this is what they were taught to do. They were very good at it. And doing that brought joy to their family and the family was well fed and they were uh, felt a sense of value and purpose to the community, to their village, to their, to their people and their family. And, and mm-hmm. uh, were very happy to do what they were doing. And they got run mm-hmm. over by a buffalo and their hip pivoted. And they had surgery and they were fine oh and they were gosh. physically, nothing was wrong with them. But sit mm-hmm. squatting in the rice paddy irritated his nervous system. So he could no longer do Couldn't the job do that. that brought him purpose. And he was bedridden. He would not eat. He would not drink. The purpose of why he existed and manifested of self was taken from him on a metaphysical level. Mm. And they didn't understand. Again, they were like, why didn't you like give him Zoloft? Like, why? why like, mm-hmm. yeah. it would numb the pain enough for him to like think for himself. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't. Like he's that part of him is still broken. Like you're not fixing mm-hmm. what's broken. You're just like letting him not feel it. What they yeah. did, what the doctor did was find, I forget what it was. I think it's, he switched to a different type of farming that was mm. less wet ground uh, and didn't have force him to squat. And he could... do it for hours on end for weeks and and after like two days he was was bright and sunny and happy and beautiful again and the the doctor was like that process was the antidepressant that was the the part that broke that we fixed but it wasn't a body part and and I don't know where that story came from I don't even know if it's true I don't care I (laughs) but it's that that is truth though yeah that is truth when i look at the times that i have struggled with depression um real intensely i can almost always point it back to an unfulfilled expectation that i didn't realize i had like an, an unfulfilled expectation of of who i was supposed to be as a mother right um of what i felt like i was supposed to be as a daughter as a singer yep. as a writer um the sense of like purpose to providing for others yeah and the things that always brought me the most joy were things like like what we've done tonight is this just sitting down and having conversations with people or you know connecting storytelling has always been a part of my world always mm-hmm. um and i realized i i've realized in the last a lot of these things have happened in the last six months is that the vehicle of which I tell stories and connect with people through those stories does not matter. If it's, you know, through TTRPGs, if it's through, you know, just having conversations on podcasts, if it's um, creating TikToks 
uh, that are funny but meaningful. Mm -hmm. That is that is what I wish to do. I wish to connect through story and create. And those are the only three things that actually matter. That's awesome. The rest of it, the rest of it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And getting to a place, and this is a journey, and I know it's going to be a journey and still a forever, for quite a while. Uh huh. But that I, I am learning to let go of the supposed tos. Yep. The shoulds. I stop. I'm trying. I'm working to stop shooting on myself every day. Mm-hmm. And on that note, that was my last parable. I just, I thought, I thought, <laughs> I kept trying to find a spot to like fit it in, um, but I thought, but, I love yeah. that though. Yeah, I love that. Go outside, go find purpose in your life. Yeah, and oh, fuck, it. that was. Now I have like three other. God damn it. Okay, we are signing <laughs> off. Uh, I like last we have to in be like done. give so your tired. ten second spiel of where people can find you. You can find me and my incredible partner on twitch.tv slash party of two RPG two is the number. Don't write it out. You can also find us on Twitter at party of two RPG live. And you can follow me as well for a more personal touch at Twitter. Um, my handle is Haley M underscore bell. So Haley M as in Mary underscore bell, like a ding dong bell. Don't add an E. I'm going to give one final shout out and thanks to Haley for hanging out with me and having just a fantastic time. If you haven't already, you should. But if you haven't already, I highly recommend checking out Party of Two RPG. They stream a number of times a week. Sometimes it's uh, talking around a table. Sometimes it's their uh, wonderful Pathfinder uh, actual play. Regardless, uh, her and her husband are fantastic people, uh, wonderful storytellers, and you should already be following what they are putting out. And with that, we've reached the final segment of today's show, the Q&A. Now, if... Anything here through in through this question and answer segment is like, ooh, I'd like to know more, or that sounds helpful. Uh, what can you give me more information? Or if anything from he, the previous previous parts of this episode makes you want to know more about me, my coaching, or some manner of looking for help, please visit everydaysuperheroesraining.com to reach out and get more options. Thank you. Today's question comes from. Princess Ray. The question is, can you give me information on if or how well using a trampoline for exercise can help with sinus congestion and or allergies? I believe I can. Uh, at the first seeing of this question, I did not realize that there are trampolines or rebenders as they like to call them that are specifically branded and advertised to help with uh, sinus c congestion um, so that's cool um, they claim that the opposing gravitational force caused by jumping hovering in the air and coming back down um, opens up the, the lymphatic system and increases increases the circulation of the lymphatic, uh, lymphatic system a uh, couple things to keep in mind because I don't know if that's true or not uh, but um, 
exercise in general increases your circulation and body temperature, which would probably do means it's doing the same thing as described. Um, maybe not as specifically. If the jumping motion is what's causing the more specified freeing up of congestion, that means that both jumping jacks and jumping rope would do the same thing. The benefit that would come from using a trampoline or a bender as opposed to jumping rope or jumping jacks is that there is much less previous experience required to get the result you're looking for. Jumping jacks are much more hard on the knees and joints than jumping on a trampoline um, or jumping rope. And jumping rope, while being less impactful on the joints, requires a built-up level of skill to get to the point where you're not just whipping yourself uh, in between trying to jump, jump one, once or twice. So the fact that you could immediately jump onto the trampoline with, with no training or experience in exercise and get to the specific result you're hoping it will give you is the biggest benefit. Outside of that, as we've talked about earlier today, consistency is your biggest friend. And if jumping on a trampoline is helping you be more consistent in your exercise levels, you should absolutely do it. If it's more fun, if it gets you out and gets you moving, that's exactly something you should consider doing. The very specific purpose of having your uh, sinuses de uh, not as congested, um, if it's helping, uh, that state is a temporary fix. It will not in any way help the reason that there is congestion or congestion in your sinuses, particularly if you have like regular seasonal al allergies, but it may provide some temporary relief, which so does regular exercise. So I think the answer to your question is, yes, it can help, and is something to consider, uh, but if you don't already have a trampoline, I don't know that going to specifically buy a trampoline for that purpose is the way to go about it. Um, if you already have a trampoline that you can jump on, then by all means go crazy. Um, I'm never gonna root for buying a specific piece of equipment for a specific result um, because that specific result can be created through means that need that specific equipment. And it's more important that we work on the movement and getting you active in uh, first. Um, so that is my personal opinion on the facts of that question. Hopefully that is helpful and provides insight that you're able to use. And that's the end of the show. Awesome. I'll see you next time.